I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, um, what you're working on today, and what you've worked on in the past, of course, and what you are going to look to do into the future. Oh, great. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. So my name is Tony Drummond, and I run a consulting company called Moonbound Consulting. And Moonbound Consulting, primarily what we're about is enabling Web3 blockchain founders to get the proper guidance in how to actually start up and run and operate their blockchain project and actually have a successful launch. So there's a lot of skills that go into that, and I'm able to do that based on not only my diverse business career that basically about 20 years of sales marketing operations and traditional business experience, but as someone who's founded my own project and that project, the name of it was called MicroPets. We had about 70,000 holders at our height. It went from a $550,000 market cap to over $200 million in three weeks, which was an incredible pump, but we also experienced a lot of downside selling pressure as a result of some of the tokenomics, utilities, and things of that nature. And that's why I'm so passionate today to share the learning lessons that I've experienced through doing this at the highest level. So thank you very much for having me on this podcast today as well. Very much my pleasure. I'm curious whether you focus more on like people that are new to the space and are looking to launch a project or people that, you know, already have projects and they need, you know, a step up or a helping hand. Yeah, great question. It's primarily brand new founders. And I'll tell you why that's in to me, that's my target market as well is because I can help them throughout all the different steps. If you're already launched right now, these are not great market conditions. So it's very challenging to help a, new, a project right now. It's already launched and I'm advising all my clients not to launch for this reason. And that's why I'm, I love working with the new founders is they have many different areas in which that they need guidance usually. And that's what I love doing is I'm also a full stack engineer. So I can help in many different areas, which I, and I know you're also a developer yourself, I believe. And, you know, that's, that's really why uh, I love this job is I can help them everywhere, whether that's the marketing, the operations, uh, the community development, or even the development pipeline management of that, you know, so I just, I just love working with new founders and helping guide them. It's, it's been very awesome so far. So I've actually uh, been a party to quite a few startups, both, you know, traditional startups and a few web three startups. Uh, over the course of my long and storied history. Uh, we won't go into that. But my real question here is, um, as a founder, when you don't have enough money in the bank and you have too many jobs to do and you go to somebody that says, hey, listen, like I can hold your hand you know, through uh, this, these tough times. How do you help them identify like what those tough times are? Like, you know, what's the most important thing for them to focus on and what should they hand off to somebody external? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, a lot of this boils down to your team composition as well. So to start things off, if you're like, if you're a founder just yourself and you, you have your skill set, but you don't have a co-founder or co-founders that can help you in other areas, then you're going to be overwhelmed as well because you're not going to have the ability to spread out the work. So step number one is if you can find other people who also love your idea and you can bring them in on board and incentivize them with some ownership, that's what you should do first, because then you get the diversity of the skill set. You can start up a lot cheaper and better manage your costs. The next thing I want to say is really what this boils down to is prioritization. So many founders think that they have to do all these different tasks. And I look at their tasks, this is these huge laundry lists of stuff. Well, when we start really boiling it down to what is really the most valuable things we should be focused on right now, and we can eliminate the rest of the stuff. You know, then we enable prioritization and how we really should look at that is we list out all of our tasks and say, what is the most valuable task that we should really be working on? 
And how easy is that task to complete? So if we have very easy tasks that are very valuable, let's do those right away. If we have very difficult tasks that don't add a lot of value, let's get rid of them altogether because they're not really going to add much value to us. And that's what I really see is that prioritization, that level of focus is often missing with a lot of new founders. And they're also trying to do it all themselves. So that's sort of my advice on how to think about breaking it up a little bit more. And you don't have much money in the beginning, like you said, that also leads us into sort of our growth hacking and things that we can do that don't really require a ton of capital. And that's really a big part of what I try and do in the beginning is work with the founders and actually, although they're paying me as an advisor, I'm cutting down their costs or implementation time. And that's a lot of the value that I'm driving there too, is that guidance. Because if you look at the time and effort and money they would spend going off on tasks that really aren't going to help them, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of money that it's costing them. They don't realize it yet. They will later on and they look at all the things they've done and the value of those things and see they're not really having much impact. That's a big part of what I love doing with new founders, especially. I think that's an interesting take that I, I'm maybe I'm going to push back a little bit on because I think that when, when you're looking at like uh, the task list that a founder has, it can be, you know, segregated into like buckets where you have, you know, stuff, which is like operations, stuff, which is finance, which is stuff, which is development stuff, which is, you know, product stuff, which is, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's like all these buckets and all these hats that you have to wear, especially if you're like a, a new founder. Right. And there's stuff that's like, you can like really e easily prioritize for now. And then there's stuff that's really important to do now, but like gets deprioritized because you don't see immediate values. And like, especially if you're talking about, you know, finance structure or you're talking about le like legal setups and like all this stuff, which like, frankly, as a new founder, they're like a huge headache. They're really hard to deal with. They're really complicated. Um, you don't see value for it for, for now. It's obvious, obvious that it's going to have value in the future, but like there's a threshold there. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on like, what those thresholds are and where they actually are. Yeah. Yeah. So let me just give a little more context. When I say like value, I didn't, I don't mean like when the value is realized. So if we don't have like what you're saying, if we don't have a legal structure and we're building a game application, right? If we don't have a company, right? And we don't have a company form. When it comes time to submit that app to Apple for the mobile game, we don't have a company. We're not gonna be able to do that. We have to get a company registered. We need a Dunn's number, you know, so we also need, so when I'm talking about timing of value, I'm not really relating it like that. So right. again, most of what, what I'm trying to get at is many people think they have to do all this stuff. They don't, they don't. And really they're focusing on the priorities that aren't really giving them the value, even in the long term. you know, from what I see is they go off on these tangents, they don't even have a real product yet. And they're trying to get investors. You know what I mean? So if you don't even know what your product is and the value it delivers, you haven't defined that. Why are you off trying to get investors? If you're spending money in marketing, but you don't even know who your you know avatars are or your personas that you're targeting, you're wasting money. <laughs> so that's what I mean is oftentimes they're working on the wrong stuff at the wrong time and they're not maximizing that value as well. So, you know, that's a big part of what we try and refocus. Um, and it's a big part of it. Um, when it comes to the value delivery to the new client. And and when it comes to things like marketing, when I think about, you know, traditional Web2 marketing, it, it, it feels substantially different than the stuff that we've been doing in Web3 marketing. Maybe you could share some of your thoughts on why that is. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like in Web3, people are in community is a common term. It's thrown out, but they almost feel like they want to be part of something like how I look at it is, in, especially in Web3, you know, when I was running my project, but I think built a lot of the loyalty and a lot of the community 
was taking people a little bit behind the scenes and showing them that, yes, we're really making this, you know, particularly because there's a lot of scams out there, but yes, we're really making this and here's how we're doing it. And we'd love to engage with you. And, and me as the CEO of this organization, I'm going to get on a voice chat with you and I'm going to communicate with you and I'm going to talk with you directly. I'm going to answer your questions directly. That's a different experience that you see in a Web2 company. You don't really see CEOs going on voice chats on a frequent basis, answering questions. You don't really see it. You know, so when I think about the difference, it's really the communal aspects of it, how we can actually leverage both the marketing, but also through, you know, traditional marketing spend. But also when we think about that aspect of having a community, those are voices that help spread, you know, about the actual project, about the product, whatever that might be, so that they can bring in more people. And I know, and I've heard many of the thought leaders, especially in the marketing side, say now that if we can basically prioritize the community development, for our actual businesses, you know, that where it makes sense, obviously, you know, then we can reduce our overall customer acquisition costs. Okay. And, and especially with the rising ad costs, like with what Facebook has done, you know, with, or Apple rather has done to Facebook, especially with, their, with limiting the pixel and its ability to get its insights and information, you know, now the costs have gone up. So you'll see a lot of companies now, especially in web three, pursuing more this direction because it makes the most logical sense. And, it's a very beneficial and fun way to operate. You can hear directly from your from your community members what they like and what they don't like, which also shapes your product, which again is part of the marketing, you know, mix basically, right? Product, price, place, promotion. That's the four piece of the marketing mix in traditional marketing. So that's my kind of thought process there. And you know, there's there's different tactics. Let's say when you're marketing a web three project as well that I could dive into. Um, of course, if we had a lot more time here as well. So I guess last question for today. Maybe you'd like to give some good examples of like when you want to build a community, what's the right way to get them to join your community? Where do you go? Like, how do you pull people towards you? Like where, like, how do you become that magnet? Yeah. So step number one is being the magnet. You know, you have to have a magnet there. So you need a key leader. You need somebody who's vocal. You need somebody who has an energetic personality, you know, somebody who has a lot of passion that they bring to the table and whatever it is that they do, and also somebody who can speak very well. Okay, so that's that's basically the one of the first most important building blocks. If you don't have that, like if, if I start speaking very slow and I have no energy, nobody wants to listen to that. Nobody wants to be engaged with that, right? So looking at your own selves as your personality, you put that out there. You want to attract those people there, and then once they're there, once you've attracted them, whatever that marketing entails people are coming into your community. Now you have one opportunity to make a great first impression. So when they first land in that community, what's their experience like? What's the message that gets sent to them that shows them that this is something interesting, they're in the right place, it's a product for them. This is a community for them and they find other people within that. So for example, most projects or most Web3 especially don't even say hello to new people as they join their chat. For my example, when I was had new people joining my Telegram chat, I used to send them a voice note saying, hey, how's it going? Welcome to our community. You know, that little things like that, that really show that we're intentional and really connecting with people is how we build a community. You know, and I think most people take the lazy approach from what I've seen is they think that just having a discord or something is good enough or doing some announcements. It's not. You have to meet with the people within your community. The other thing is I responded to every single telegram message that was sent to me when I was the CEO of that project. And there were hundreds of them, thousands probably, and I responded to every single one, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing, I tried to give a response back. And that also shows that you're engaged with what you're building. And you can also build a lot of trust with those people as well, since they appreciate the response. And 
many of them were even surprised I responded to begin with since most people do not respond. So the only thing I can say is really do the opposite of what many do in this space, especially as they take the lazy approach. They don't think about if they were an individual, how would they like to be engaged? How would they like to be informed? What would make them feel special? What would make them feel part of something? And that's the overall purpose of a community in general. So hopefully this is helpful. Amazing. Uh, I wanted to thank you for your time and your expertise. It's been really interesting. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it.